you would think, how are 90% of the sales like staying inside the organization? These people sell the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are, are 100% correct. They do sell the exact same thing. They are literally to selling it to each other or purchasing it for themselves to buy and maintain their ranks and their bonuses within the company. Yuck. Hey, it's me, Chance, and you're listening to our chat with the lovely Roberta Blevins. Roberta is an anti-MLM activist who appeared on the Amazon Prime original docuseries, Lula Rich, exposing the pyramid scheme of Lula Rowe based on her experience within the organization. Multi-level marketing is just another term for pyramid scheme. Blevins hosts her own podcast, Life After MLM, where she talks to people like herself who were immersed in various MLMs and how it affected their lives in various ways. Spoiler alert, it's usually very toxic and harmful. We'll be discussing the sleazy and predatory nature of pyramid schemes, aka multi-level marketing. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen to us at iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. If you want to show your appreciation for our work, please do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Spotify. Finally, please check us out at punk-journalism.com. These guys filled you in that uh, Ricky's wife, Cody, I believe was part of Lula Rowe. Is that right, Cody? I wasn't part of it, but I purchased a whole lot of it. Okay. From, uh, <laughs> but she's wearing it right now. No, actually, I'm wearing my pajamas because I I got done with my kiddos early. so I'm I gonna... am head to toe Lula Rowe. Whatever. Good job. <laughs> you, you, you understood the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that that was like one of their slogans, head to toe LuLaRoe. Yeah. Hey, yep. oh, was yeah. it? No. Yeah. Um, I got uh-huh. three pairs of leggings. <laughs> to start with, I've really, really been enjoying your podcast. I'm on, I think, episode 17. I'm like, I think it's like this last week and a half. That's pretty much all I've listened to. And <laughs> it's really good. And like, I think what I've been admiring is that it seems like your following has gotten pretty good. And that's something I wanted to ask you about first. Like I'm going to tell five people, they're going to tell five people and they're going to tell five people. But between the three of us, we only know like 20 people. So it, it's not really working out as a, as an MLM. So. Is, that, is that the, is that the ML, the MLP, the multi-level podcasting? Yeah. Yes. Multi-level <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it really just sort of all happened really organically, but I've been at this for four years. And so finally starting a podcast was like giving the people what they've been asking for that I had been denying them. For See, so nobody long. was asking us for anything. <laughs> so that maybe is the difference. <laughs> and then like, I knew I had a movie coming out. And so like the producers were like, Hey, if you were planning on starting that podcast, you've been talking about. Uh, now would be a pretty good time. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll finally do it. And then in February, I I, I bit the bullet. But yeah. it really, it's been a labor of love and it, it really has just been like, yeah, tell your friends if you're affected by this or if you find this interesting. And it sort of has just grown exponentially. Yeah, the, the docuseries Lula Rich, it was really, really good. And I was turned on to it by a friend of mine uh, who, I don't know how we got on the subject, but we were just talking about pyramid schemes and MLMs and she said, oh, you need yeah. to watch Lula Rich. It's really, really good. And she's a waitress in Salt Lake City. And she has talked about like how downtown there's a convention center. So there'll be conventions happening. And a lot of times it, it's multi-level marketing conventions. And then they'll come over for, for lunch or dinner or whatever. And they're like the worst customers because they're just really like 
talk to your manager kind of kind of women yeah and uh and she said like the women will be like at the same time super complimentary like oh you're you know you're you're very smart and you really seem like you have a lot going on if you want to do something else beyond just being a waitress you know i have a business opportunity for you so here's yeah. my card and personally i've i've observed mlms for a long time i didn't know they were called multi-level marketing until about a year ago i've always just called them pyramid schemes and yeah over the years these are kind of some observation i observations i've made here and there so Thinking about this the last couple of weeks, I think that there are only a few types of people who become part of multi-level marketing. And I think that the first part are the victims, people who are desperate, naive, or maybe both desperate and naive. And then the are other- you calling me desperate and naive? Maybe a little naive. <laughs> maybe a little a naive. Great way to start off. So- <laughs> let's, just, let's just attack people. <laughs> okay. But so the other type type of people that I've noticed are are pretty manipulative and selfish, like maybe even a bit sociopathic. So because like if you truly know and understand how MLMs function and you know what you're doing and you proceed with this as a career, I mean you have to be either of those things otherwise you're just doing a great deal of mental gymnastics to convince yourself that what you're doing is legitimate and okay. So Yeah. Uh, and that's where the cognitive dissonance of MLM sure. comes in, right? It's like you either, I mean, here's the thing that's really odd and interesting and fascinating to me is uh, in cults and in multi-level marketing are, are two examples where you are not only the victim, but also the perpetrator. Um, and I think a lot of people have a hard time realizing that they are actually, in fact, both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um and or I think when you come to the realization that you are both of those things, you then can very quickly figure out which one of those things you mo- most likely are going to fall into. Like, like you're saying, there's two different people, right? Like you're either the the vulnerable person that got lured in, which is really all you need to be in, in an MLM is to have some sort of vulnerability, right? Or you're the person that understands how it works and is able to manipulate the system to your advantage, Um, both of those people are, you know, even the people on the top are going to be victims. They're victimized of victims of the, the very, very top. I mean, they're getting a lot of mental anguish and things like that. I experienced that. Um, they, they, they maybe not as financially victimized, but they're definitely victimized in other ways. Uh, and then the rest, the 99.7% of people are victimized financially, and um yeah like you're saying really i mean it, it's it's to me it's crazy sometimes it's it's so easy to break it down it's like you're either a victim or a perpetrator you're sort of kind of both pick a side and and you can figure out pretty easily that i think most people in multi-level marketing are in fact victims do you think that there's a point where you you work your way up the ladder and it kind of occurs to you one day like oh shit like i'm kind of you know I'm benefiting from taking advantage of, of the people beneath me. And then it's like, you kind of have to make a decision at that point. You have a moral dilemma of like, do I continue or, or, or do I just give up? And if I continue, am I just going to have to suppress the fact that I think I'm probably doing something wrong or, or maybe you just don't see it as wrong. I don't know. What, what have you observed in that? You know, here's the thing. When I was in MLM, I had absolutely no idea that I was, like a vic- like like victimizing other people. I honestly thought because of the way that you're taught in MLM, it's not that I'm 
that I'm preying upon you. It's that I'm bringing an opportunity to you that, mm. that you've been complaining about on Facebook, like, okay. and I'm going to help you. And what I have to offer you is help. And so I think a lot of people don't realize when they come to people and they approach these situations that they're even being predatory and scammy at all. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a moral dilemma and there's a lot of moral injury that's involved as well with multi-level marketing because when you get to that point where you are, are asking these questions and you're getting these answers and you start to figure it out, you, you do one of two things. You either stay and you hide behind that cognitive dissonance and you hide behind, well, I'm getting a bonus check and I'm helping some people. And you hide behind the double speak of, well, they were just not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. It was their fault. Some people just aren't built that, you know, to be successful in this. It takes a certain amount of people, even though when you join, they told you that everybody can be successful and everybody can do this. And it's so easy. You can do it from your phone on the toilet, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of this double speak and it's again, it's very culty. Um, but yeah, I mean, the moral dilemma for me obviously ended in me saying, I, I can't do this. I can't look myself in the mirror. I can't sustain this life every day. I can't even sustain this life for an hour at a time anymore. Like this is just going crazy. So there comes a time, I think, in everybody's multi-level marketing <laughs> career um, where they have to decide whether they're going to stay within this industry or they're going to leave. And not everybody goes the activist route, obviously. Um, and not everybody has that moral dilemma, but they're definitely, I think there is a crux and the moral aspect of it comes into play eventually. So do you think, do you think Mark and Misha, what's her name? The lady who runs Deanne. Deanne. I don't know where it came up, Misha, but, um, <laughs> Is she, do you think that they know and are aware of the fact that they are running a scam or do you think they've just rationalized it away somehow? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, they're very, they, they very obviously have to know they're running a scam. They ran many scams before they started LuLaRoe. Um, many people within LuLaRoe were scamming people before LuLaRoe as well. Uh, Mark and Dan were both part of Amway, which is like, you know, the granddaddy of MLM yeah. and the original scammer. So uh, to me, it would be I'd be really hard pressed for them to to try to say that they didn't know they were running a scam. Yeah. And they really think that this is a legitimate business opportunity, knowing their past in MLM and what they've done with the money that they've made so far in LuLaRoe, like maybe at some point there was a, a sliver of like some morality, but it's long gone now. So uh, we wanted, we thought it would be interesting to talk to Ricky's wife, Cody, who thanks for joining us, Cody. She uh, participated in, in LuLaRoe and I think maybe a couple others we just mentioned. So um, yeah. if it'd be okay, maybe uh, you could explain your experience. Yeah. I'd yeah, love to hear sure. it. Yeah. Um, so um so I used to sell Premier Designs jewelry. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but a oh, lot of I people have. have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> so I I was suckered into it because I was like, oh, this is easy. I don't have to keep inventory. I don't have to, you know, jump right on into it with both feet. I can just kind of ease my way in. But then, how would I be able to make any money that way? And so. I, I was definitely the vulnerable person and I never, I never pressured or wanted anybody under me um, because I didn't feel comfortable with that. 
Um, but I did help people, um, my higher ups make a pretty decent amount of money. I mean, we were at a time that. when we weren't making a lot of money. We right. were, uh, that was when I was a traditional guardsman working at Best Buy. Yep. Going to, uh, and I was going still to working school. at Best Buy too. You were working at Best Buy and then we realized Kids. daycare costs are stupid. Mm-hmm. And, very much. Uh, there's that vulnerability right oh yeah, very right? much so right? so we went from hey we're eking out a barely comfortable life to oh shit there goes all of one of our incomes yep by just paying <laughs> just for paying for daycare daycare and so i i tried to find a second way to bring in extra money and at that point we only had one kid and so we now had, we have seven no that's not true oh. well we kind of do but because i run an in-home daycare <laughs> so we have a farm but i get to send them home at the end of the day so that's that's the plus um but yeah i can definitely see how it like the mlms prey upon the vulnerability of struggling individuals because we're insecure about where our money's going to come from to be able to provide for our families. Um, Which is and, sick um, if you're struggling. One, and... one thing that I, because um, I had a question written down um, and um, it, I, I wrote down, how has this impacted your family psychologically? And fortunately, I didn't do mine long enough to really, I think, have a psychological effect. But like, I think an MLM can definitely prey upon that psychological side of us um, for wanting to be able to contribute or be able to provide for our families. Oh, absolutely. MLM is loaded with like false feminist language where when you look at it, (laughs) the majority of CEOs, and I want to say it's like 95%, but I, I just made that up. So don't quote me, but it's very close. Like 95% of um, MLM CEOs are men. Like at the very, very top of the pyramid, it's men. And they're touting, and there's nothing wrong with men, but when they start touting this false femininity, knowing that 76% of women are victims of multi-level marketing, because 76% of people that do multi-level marketing are women, knowing that the that the rate of failure is so high at 99.7%. How, how can you as a man be the top of this pyramid and then portray that this is a really good viable opportunity for women to help their families when it's very clearly not. I think that's where the psychological comes in is they're, they're giving us that additional like, hey, you get to do this. Look at how cool this is. Like, and they, it's like they're giving us something to look forward to like and something to sell on our own. But in all reality, it's them pushing it on us versus us doing it on our own. Um, and that was one thing that I noticed when we were watching Lula Rich is how smug. Um, I, I saw them and I even looked at Ricky and was like, at one point, like they didn't look like they actually even liked each other. And I was like, how can you look at yourself in the mirror, knowing what you've done to thousands of people and 
it just, it makes my heart sink. And I don't, I don't know, like I, I didn't quite catch all of your full story on that, but, um, I know that financially it ruined so many people. Yeah, I did. Unfortunately, it, it, it hurt a lot of people. There were a lot of bankruptcies that came out of people leaving LuLaRoe, um, a lot, a lot of things. I've, I've heard some of the worst horror stories, um, of people that have left LuLaRoe over the last four years. And I mean, it's losing everything, including your husband, including the custody of your children, including your own mental sanity, including everything you've ever worked for, your home, your cars. Um, but there have even been suicide attempts. Um, it's, it's horrible. And in the case of MLM, there have been uh, successful suicide attempts, unfortunately. Um, right. It's, it's really, it's really sad. You know, they use a lot of manipulative mind games and tactics, just like cults. In fact, right. um, we call MLMs commercial cults because they mm-hmm. are. They really are. In fact, uh, November, I'm working this month, I'm working with the I Got Out Foundation uh, and we made MLM or or November MLM Awareness Month. So the cult of the month is our MLMs. And and we're just trying to spread awareness to what these companies do, like you're saying, psychologically on top of the financial devastation. On top of it, I remember I I had PTSD or what really seemed like PTSD. I never went to the doctor. Um, I'm sure you did have it PTSD was, from that. It was to the point that it was crippling, but I couldn't even answer the phone. I, I couldn't post even look on social media. Disorder? What was that? I said post tight sales disorder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. <laughs> it was something that I had never experienced. And, and, the, and the psychological like ups and downs I could only like maybe relate that to going through my father's like battle and, you know, unfortunately losing his battle to cancer and, and the ups and the downs of that and the good news and the bad news and the, this, and the, like, that is the only thing that has ever come close to being able for me to like explain to other people what it felt like was going through my father's death. So you mentioned PTSD and um, I had actually written that down as um, one of the things I was going to ask you is how has that affected, um, you know, your mental state and you, you said that it's dramatically affected it. Um, And I, I was going to also ask how has that affected your family? Have, what are the effects that are on your family from this? So when I left LuLaRoe, it was four years ago, um, almost mm-hmm. exactly four years ago. It was in September of 2017. And immediately uh, there were definitely some ramifications. But I want to say that while I was in LuLaRoe and in the MLM complex, um, there were more ramifications for me. Because even though with LuLaRoe, they say, oh, you're going to have all this time freedom. You're going to be able to make your own hours and be your own boss. Spoiler alert, mm-hmm. I was already my own boss and already making my own hours before I joined LuLaRoe. So I don't understand <laughs> how that was even any some sort of appeal to me because I was literally <laughs> already doing it. But um, <laughs> well, I think it's know, because that's how they pray. Right. They're like, you'll even be more of your own boss than you already are. I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> my children were already begging me, like, can we stop taking pictures of clothes and go swimming? Can we stop doing that and like go go like play at the river or go do this? Or can we go to the beach or can we do these things? And you know, I live in Southern California in San Diego and there's so much stuff to do. And mm-hmm. it really was like almost every single day we were stuck inside because I had so much to do. And I'm like, this is not freedom. And when my children started saying things to me, like we miss you and we want to get do fun things. That's when I started really realizing that I had to get away from this organization. So, right. I mean, leaving Yes, because I experienced a different level of psychological manipulation because now it was like excommunication versus just my my kids and my family needing me and me not being able to be available. So it did affect my family a little bit, um, but we, we navigated out of it and, um, you know, we survived. We survived financially because LuLaRoe basically just replaced my job that I had. So I just went right back to the salon. It did take me a couple months to sort of build up what I had let go. Um, but I was also selling the LuLaRoe at a discount. So it was sort of offsetting the cost. So financially we weren't devastated like people were. Uh Um, I, I tried to be pretty smart with that and, and not go too deep. Um, but for me, I think, you know, I experienced more like growth after all of that coming out on the other side and going, okay, what just happened? Like what just happened to me in the last two years? I joined a company. It was super culty. Like my, my brain got all scrambled. I became a person I didn't recognize like what the heck happened and Mm -hmm. navigating outside of that. And like my activism and everything since then has been great, but you know, it, it did affect my family, but it didn't affect my family. I feel like we navigated right. through all of that really well. Um, I mean, right. Now, <laughs> I say that with the caveat that as that right now I am divorced, but I will say that it had nothing to do uh, with LuLaRoe at all. It just there. LuLaRoe just didn't help. That's all. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so, so it just, it may have sped up the process a little bit more. You know, I'm not even sure. Aspect. I'm not even sure. There were, it maybe caused a little bit of tension on some certain issues. Um, and then maybe the other thing is it probably highlighted a lot of things that he and I maybe hadn't seen before. And it, you know, we, we just grew apart over the, over the years. And I think LuLaRoe um, maybe exposed that to us a little bit more, but okay. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame LuLaRoe um, for it because we just, we just grew apart as people and we're still great friends. We're just not great partners. Mm. <laughs> we bring out the worst in each other, but, um, we are really good friends and we co-parent wonderfully. Good. Um, so at least I'm thankful for that. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. really hard to do. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like we're better co-parents than we were like married parents. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> So one thing that I wanted to to touch on, we talked a lot about how MLMs are damaging, but let's like talk a little bit of how they get to that point. So one of my favorite guests that you had on was Robert L. Fitzpatrick. Um, oh, it was yeah. a two-part uh, podcast that you did discussing his book, Ponzi-nomics, specifically his chapter um, called Anatomy of a Pyramid Scheme. And he points, yes. that, he points out that if you apply exponential math, 
you can't exceed 13 levels of con- customers and clients or reps. So like, I mean, if you, if the logic is, is like, oh, well, if I, you know, have five friends and I get them on board and they get five friends and they get them on board, et cetera, you can only go to the exp- exponentially th- 13 levels and then you exceed the human population of earth to include babies, elderly people, disabled yeah. people, third world country. So you very, very quickly, it, 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 it just, it's not sustainable at all. Um, right. And not only that, but he pointed out that, and I'm, I think this was him that, that pointed this out, is that it's the representatives are convinced that they're going to be making money, a lot of money externally, it seems, but only 10% of the money in MLMs is money made outside of the representatives themselves. So is that mean that 90% of the rest of the money made in, within the company is just from recruiting? No. Okay. So this, so that, that goes back to sales. Um, and I don't know where that statistic is from, but I, I, I say that statistic a lot, uh, because it is, it's so mind boggling. Well, let me tell you real so quick. The first thing that we, I just want to make sure was, that I do cite that. Um, it is from, let's see, there's a, uh, it's called, it's a, it's a paper called the case for and against multi-level marketing by, by uh, John Taylor, John Taylor. Yeah. Uh, yes. his chapter okay. seven MLMs abysmal numbers. And that's where that, that 90% comes from okay so that's from john taylor's research perfect Mm -hmm. okay yeah i use that statistic all the time because it is wild to me that's actually a sales statistic um and i like to use that statistic when people try to tell me that mlms are businesses (laughs) because the first thing i like to remind people is that they are not businesses they are pyramid schemes that are wearing a business suit so it looks like a business and it talks like a business, but it's not actually a business. And this is one of those instances where if it looks like a duck, it is not a duck, but they want you to think it's a duck and they're mm-hmm. going to make it look as much like a duck that you could be like, oh yeah, this is definitely a duck, but it is not a duck. So um, it's very, very important to understand that MLMs are not businesses and that they are scams. Um, and they like to legitimize these scams like you're, you know, with, there were a sales company, we're selling things. Yeah. But when you look at the statistics, John Taylor says only 10% of those sales actually make it outside of the organization, which lets us know that 90% of those sales are within the organization. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy because the FTC has a rule that 70% of your stuff has to be sold. So those statistics are contradictory of each other. Um, but here's the thing you would think, how are 90% of the sales like? staying inside the organization these people sell the exact same thing <laughs> yes you are are 100 correct they do sell the exact same thing they are literally to selling it to each other or purchasing it for themselves to buy and maintain their ranks and their bonuses within the company yuck um so there's a term in mlm that we like to use and it's called garage qualified i don't know if any of you guys have seen the the showtime special uh, or the showtime show on becoming a god in central florida with kirsten dunst mm-hmm. but it's loosely based on amway in the 90s and there's a scene where she's delivering product to this older woman and she goes you can put it with the rest of the boxes <laughs> she opens up the back door and the backyard is full of amway boxes and it's absolutely true i mean it's a it's a very exaggerated representation of what happens um, most people keep it in their garage but it's absolutely true that that you end up purchasing things because the way that it is mathematically because in the pyramid you know 
exponentially, like you just mentioned, I can look at my back office and go, crap, I got to spend $50 to hit my qualifications this month and $50 in sales short. So I'm going to have to sell $50 worth of stuff to somebody. So you might want to, you might reach out to your downline and be like, Hey, could you place a $50 order on me? Like I'll pay you back. I'll Venmo you. I'll PayPal you, whatever. So it looks official on on the front end, right? And then you're fudging the numbers on the back end because you're trying to hit these bonuses because you might be getting a $5,000 bonus. And if you're only, you know, $50 or $200 away from a $5,000 bonus, you're leaving, you know, $4,900 on the table if you're not spending that. Yeah, I'd pay 50 bucks for five grand. Right. So wouldn't you just go, oh, crap, I need to spend five dollars more, ten dollars more. I need to place one more order. And then there's all these stipulations like in LuLaRoe, you had to spend you had to buy 33 items at a time. You couldn't buy less than that. You could buy more than that, but you had to buy at least 33 items. And leggings came as a two pack. So if you bought an order of only leggings, you had to buy 66 pairs of leggings at a time. That's another reason why LuLaRoe made a billion dollars in like two years was because people were buying 66 leggings at a time. Okay. No one goes to Walmart and buys 66 pairs of leggings at a time. That's it's a front loading thing. And that's how you fudge the numbers. And that's how these MLMs look successful. And that's also how we can say 90% of the stuff doesn't ever leave the MLM organization. It just gets swapped internally. So would you say that it's kind of like a money laundering? It sounds a lot like. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a Ponzi. I mean, yeah, I guess like, technically they're kind of laundering money, but on a very very small scale to like right, make like, a little bonus. I mean, it kind of yeah. They're they're saying here, let me let me purchase this from you legally on the front end, and then I'll and then I'll pay you back this way on the back end, so that it looks like you're selling it, but you're not really actually selling it. Hmm. If you were yeah. to follow the money. Yeah. Well, it, well, and we, when we put on our critical thinking caps for a minute, like a couple of things just immediately have always kind of stuck out to me, which like have caused me to be skeptical of these things for years is I, and I, this is mentioned, I think on the, on the documentary as well as on your podcast, where one of the go-to lines is like, well, you know, you get out of it, what you put into it. And so that kind of really puts that takes the onus off your, off of them and puts all the pressure onto you. So that makes it so that you have to, you you purchase all this product and fill up your garage with boxes, like you're saying, and then they they're done, like they're out of it. They've already made their money by selling to you. And then at that point, it's on you to just you know to try to find people to distribute it to, right? Absolutely. And then you know if you can't sell it, that's your fault. Yeah. Because. You didn't work hard enough or you didn't approach enough strangers or you didn't friend enough people on Facebook or you didn't share enough on Instagram or you use the wrong hashtags. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could literally do everything perfectly. And the one thing you did wrong will be the reason you failed in the MLM. Well, and I've, I've noticed too that, and this is what I, another thing that I've always thought about is if these products are so great, why, why don't you just find, why are they going through the motions of, of, of depending on sales reps in this way, why aren't they just on the shelf at normal retail stores? Why, um, why, are, why is this model the way that is, they have to go? And I don't think that there's anything really special or unique about most of these products. So I went online to see if like I could find, if I could just go to Amazon or something and buy like LuLaRoe. And when I Google LuLaRoe, it, they do come up online 
this huge lot of leggings on eBay from they were Lululemon leggings, and yeah. and it was it was presumably from some sales rep who filled her garage with legs leggings that she couldn't get rid of. So now she just has them on eBay because she's stuck with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that process is called goobing or going out of business. G O O B. Um, and yeah, uh, you will find Lululemon for pennies on the dollar. In fact, my friend purchased a bunch of Lululemon um, at like a Goodwill liquidation sale for 29 cents huh. a pound. Jeez. And then she used to sell Lululemon. So this was really funny. She bought a ton uh, because she's very concerned with like uh, the waste of manufacturing of fast fashion. Mm. So she went and she bought all this Lululemon at 29 cents a pound. And then she made rag rugs out of them and she sent me one and it's amazing. And she's like, there's like a thousand dollars worth of Lululemon on that rug. (laughs) You know, she bought it by the pound. So it's not, but it's really cool. And I was like, what a neat way to upcycle. But the reason that the Lululemon is even for sale for 29 cents a pound is because of all the people that are going out of business, right? Because of all those people that sold, that, that purchased a billion dollars worth of Lululemon. And that's a wholesale number that Lululemon claims that, that purchased a billion dollars worth of Lululemon wholesale. And, um, you know, some of it got sold. Some of it didn't. Most of it, I think, is probably in people's garages. And then after a while, that sunk cost fallacy of I spent good money on this. Eventually, you're just like, okay, now it's just taking up space in the garage and I got to get rid of it. And you take it to the Goodwill or you try to send it or you you try to like, let's just try one last time on eBay. We'll put everything up as a lot. Try to sell some of it. Try to get some money back. Nobody's making anything on this. Everybody is losing money on but all of these sales. The bottom line and, uh, is, is yeah. it, it's it's out of Mark and Leanne's garage or their warehouse. So that's that's all that's really important, right? I mean, if you're gonna buy Lularoe, I would buy it from people that are going out of business because at least you're not supporting yeah, Mark I'm and Leanne anymore. But I'm yeah, saying I mean, Mark good. and Leanne have already made their money. Yeah, it's they're... all hidden in shell corporations inside of shell corporations inside of shell corporations, all of their cars are owned by companies. Their home is owned by an LLC. Everything is owned by LLCs. They are completely and perfectly protected. Um, I would love to prove piercing the corporate veil and have all of their stuff taken away, but. Roberta, Roberta, hello. Happy uh, uh, MLM Awareness Month, correct? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Today's the first, the first of November. Yes. So um, I just wanted to throw a couple things in there. The first thing that kind of jumped out at me as I'm watching this documentary, uh, my fiance was on me to watch this and then Chance told me we were going to talk with you. And then so I had to watch it. And so like the whole time we're watching it together, she's just like, I told you to watch this. You should have just listened to me. So, um, so, so that was, it was, it was funny. Yeah, that was, a, yeah, you should have just listened to her. Me and your wife. Right? I need to just listen. Um, Anyway, the, the kind of the first thing that jumps out at me is uh, I, I loved in the documentary how, like you said, it kind of dawned on you that you were in a cult and you've thrown that out there quite a few times, that kind of that cult mentality. Um, and, and I kind of one of the things as I was watching the documentary that jumped out to me was the parallel between the fact that this guy is a Mormon and he's doing running this type of cult um uh, you know, type of business, uh, and just kind of the parallels there between those two. Um, and, and, and I don't know if, if, 
if you've gotten that, if, and, and no offense to anybody's religion, I just, to me, there's a, a great parallel between those two things and, and kind of the way he sits at the top and just, uh, with his whole family and they're all running the business and they're all kind of having a hand in, in taking part in this scheme. So, um, I didn't, I didn't know what your thoughts were on that. Um, and then the other thing that I really, when you, that you said in the documentary that really jumped out to me is, is that these multi-level marketing companies are really focused on, um, going after minorities and women. And then that's a huge thing that jumps out to me is they're not, um, they're, they're targeting specifically who they're going after and, and they're taking advantage of those populations. Yeah, you you hit on a lot of really great points. Um, first, uh, 100%, I see and understand the connection between the LDS church and MLM. It's right there. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, yes, yes, too. yes, thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of similarities. I've talked about it on my podcast before. I had my friend Ryan McKnight, who's the founder of truthandtransparency.org, which is basically like the WikiLeaks of religion. Um, and we talk about it. We talk about maybe why people in LDS would be more susceptible to falling prey to MLMs uh, and why so many MLMs call Utah home. Um, it's definitely not a coincidence in any yes. sort of way. Um, and also, You're if you look me at that the... if you get somebody to believe in something that's not proven, you can get them to fall for schemes like MLMs. Hey, if you can suspend disbelief for five seconds, maybe you can suspend disbelief for five years. Who knows? Have faith, um, Have faith in the process. So you know, I I see the similarities. I was not relate. Uh, I was not raised in a religious home. Um, my father said was like, well, Jesus was a real person and, and I'll give you that is what he would say. Um, and <laughs> that's about all he would say about that. So religion was not like huge and, but it was also at the same time, like as growing up, like if I wanted to spend the night at my Christian friend's house on Saturday and go to church with them on Sunday, then I was more than welcome to do that. And I think that's probably lent a lot of my like religious, like interest I've, I've been to many different services at many different um, places because it's just very interesting to me. So I have gone to things at the LDS church. And for me, I know that people that are LDS are just so nice and so trusting and so <laughs> lovely. And my best friend is LDS. And I, I swear every time I go to any of the events there, we literally just were there the other night. And I was like, hello, hi, I've never seen you before. What's your name? It's nice to meet you. And I'm just like, hi. Um, and so it's just, it's so friendly. And it it's, it's almost like you're bred. And again, I don't want to offend anybody, but this is my non-religion non-religious background looking in um it's like you're born and bred to go door to door offering an opportunity um and being told as you're growing up that it's okay because most people are going to say no but it's all right because eventually someone will say yes and so when these opportunities show up as an adult it's very comfortable um i like to call it comfort in the chaos uh same reason that people that have abusive parents end up marrying abusive partners uh where you're like man you think i would have seen this um but you sometimes are able to suspend disbelief because it does feel so comfortable and it does feel so natural which is i think another reason why a lot of people will join multiple mlms before realizing that it's the business model and not them mm. um so yeah you know 
you're going to get that, that same religious structure, even with the 10% tithing up to the top, it's very, very similar of bringing people into the church and getting people indoctrinated. What's that prosperity Um, gospel? What was that? The prosperity gospel is a big part of it, right? Yeah. And prosperity gospel, which you're not going to find as much in Mormonism as you are going to find in like modern day evangelical Mm -hmm. Christianity and things like that, the prosperity gospel. But yeah, you know, uh, well, I mean, there definitely are some, because Mark and Deanne do sort of talk about that prosperity gospel in, yeah, maybe both. Again, this is where I'm like, I'm not super religious, but yeah, I guess I could see the prosperity gospel in both because there were so many times where Mark and Deanne would say things like, oh, Heavenly Father has blessed us. You know, like we just want to like show off our blessings. And I have had people tell me things like, oh, you know, it was taught in our church that if you have nice things, it's because God loves you more. <laughs> I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, he has blessed you more than other people. And so, you know, it's that whole thing, right? Like the more you do, the more you get, which then kind of turns into this whole FOMO thing in MLM. What is FOMO? FOMO is like fear of missing out, right? Sorry, say again? You don't want to miss out on anything. Oh, right. right. Yes. Yeah. Like your $5,000 investment. You don't want to miss out. Yeah, you might miss the boat. Being able to... get in on on doing that and and then thirdly i just one last thing from my perspective is we we got through that and uh i thought you did amazing in the documentary oh thank you yeah i was of all of them (laughs) i was like that she was my favorite and i was like yes that's the one we're interviewing so that's good (laughs) um and then at the end of it i was just kind of blown away that this is still a company that they are still going like that's I, I don't know. Do you see that? The, the, do, you, do you believe this documentary will put an end to that That's company? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Talking oh, oh I also wanted to, um, I didn't mention the minority thing that you talked about. Um, okay, sorry about that. I will say that MLMs will disproportionately target minorities and women. Um, I don't know the, minor, the minority statistic, but it is about three-fourths of victims of, of MLMs are women. Um but I mean, 25% are men too. So they do target men and they target literally, like I said, like really all you have to be is vulnerable. Herbalife targets the Hispanic community like crazy. I, I don't know why specifically, but like even they have like Herbalife soccer jerseys, right? And so if you look at it, you're like, oh man, you can see like the marketing of these specific products. I, if you go on like your town map and you search for an Herbalife store, which they have like these shake shops and these like loaded tea places. I'm in San Diego, right next to the border. If I Google like an Herbalife shop and I look at the map, every single one of them are in the Hispanic parts and they're all along the border in Tijuana and along San Ysidro border. And it, to me, again, it shows that's proof. I'm, I'm not seeing LuLaRoe across the border. I'm seeing Herbalife. Um, you know, you're going to get, there's some like very religious MLMs where you're going to get the people in the church even more so. You're going to use a lot of affinity fraud within the church to get people to join your organization. Like, oh, look, it's like beautiful crosses for your wall. Like, don't you want to join this MLM that sells beautiful religious paraphernalia you're like oh my god i need to i love that 
live, laugh, love. Um, so I mean, there's an eminent, there's literally an MLM for everything. There's an MLM for toilet paper. Like I wish I was joking, but I'm not, there's literally oh an goodness. MLM for everything you could possibly but imagine. Should there, be? there should, there shouldn't even be one. Um, but you know, so they are going to, they're going to disproportionately target people specifically, but nobody is safe. Like, I talk to men on my podcast and they say like, yeah, like I was targeted because it was like, hey, you're young. Don't you want to like get in on the ground floor yeah. and get this great career? So by the time you're at the top, you'll be at the right age to be like looking for a wife and you'll be husband material by then. Jeez, like the MLM geez. will help you become husband material kind of stuff. And it's just they just want to prey on any insecurity that you have. So like even men thinking like I'm not good enough. I don't make enough money. I'm not where I think I should be or where I was told I should be by society. Same with women. Like, I just want to be the perfect mother or anybody in, you know, a low income, <clears throat> excuse me, like a low income area who's like, I just re like this herbal life is going to save my family. Yeah. And I've heard a lot. And it's, it's really predatory, you know? Another one, I, I would um, say my second favorite guest that you had was... Oh man, his name isn't coming to me right now, but the guy that drove from Colorado to um or uh to I think yes. Oregon. Yeah, in a in the van the van with like a bunch of other people. To see Donald Trump speak yeah. at the ACN convention. Yeah, his his story sounded like a nightmare. Oh my gosh, that poor guy. But just um, wait, you're still pretty early in the okay. show. Um there's some pretty interesting stories that come up kind of one of the things that we I, you see with that as well is it's usually the people that can't afford it are the one that they're Absolutely. taking money from and so it becomes this system of just getting rich off of poor people and it's really really i think that is what disgusts me the most about it is trying to yeah. get these women to buy in that are having to you know take out mortgages on their homes or do yeah. these other things in order just to buy into this program that they truly believe. And, and it's not on them because they truly believe that they're going to be able to make a difference in their family's lives. And I don't think that they're doing it from a place of, of bitterness. Um, and, and when you watch the documentary, certainly you don't see any women being hostile towards each other. It's all uplifting and encouraging, but that's kind of part of the sales pitch as well. That's part of sucking people in. Uh, and, and preying on those, you know, not only the the minority, but then the financially vulnerable population as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it to, right to your point of you saying that they're targeting people who can't afford this, right? So I get sent screenshots like all the time. I do this thing on TikTok where we like debunk culty screenshots and I will show people screenshots and I'll be like, this is cognitive dissonance. Like this is a thought stopping cliche. And we sort of break it down so that people can see it and then they can see it for themselves without having to come back and be like, Roberta, is this a cult tactic? I'm like, yes, you're trained now. You can, you can teach others. Um, and so in some of these screenshots that I'll get, it will say things like where people will be like, well, you know, like, I don't know if I can afford like adult, like, you know, whatever it is, $2.99. That's a lot of money. I'm not sure if I can afford that. And then the person will respond and say, well, if you're really hurting for money, you can't afford to not oh, join. And they, right. and they twist that it. Reverse right? psychology. Absolutely. That reverse psychology is absolutely disgusting. And just the twisting of those words gets so many people. 
there are so many thought stopping cliches and techniques in multi-level marketing. There are so many cult tactics that are used, so many manipulation tactics. There's a lot of narcissistic energy and toxic positivity. Um, and it's just, they're not good places to be, especially if you're vulnerable and that's who they prey on. So we were talking, or one thing that I mentioned when we first started um, the conversation was just the different personality types and the types of people that fall for this sort of thing. And the last serious relationship that I was in, I should, this should have been a red flag for me, but the first time I ever brought up MLMs or at that time, I just called them pyramid schemes to this person I was seeing. I was really taken aback by how quickly she started uh, defending them. And I gave, I told her a story about one time, uh, well, twice, actually two times I was in a grocery store on two separate occasions and a guy would come up to me out of the blue and he was super complimentary. Oh my gosh, your tattoos are so cool. Where'd you get those? What do you, what do you like to do for fun? What are your interests? And I was, I'm like, think, wow, this guy's really nice. Like this, this is kind of, you know, it's different, but it's, it's, you know, a nice conversation. And then, uh, I would ask him the same thing. Well, what do you do? Well, actually I just, uh, got in on this really amazing business opportunity I want to tell you about. And so like, I gave that, <laughs> yeah, that happened twice, like, like scripted verbatim. And I told her this and she's like, well, you know, that's like, that takes a lot of courage to, uh, to, to go up to somebody like that and to just like have a conversation out of the blue with somebody like that. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, so I tell her all this and she doesn't really say anything. She just kind of looks at me blankly as if to say, yeah. And so what's the problem? And so like, I tried my best to explain to her how it's not good or ethical to be inauthentic with a person to get what you want out of them. But as I would find out later on, she was terribly inauthentic with me at least. And that was kind of her method of getting what she wanted out of me. And then she was the first one that corrected me and said, it's multi-level marketing is the, you know, the correct term to use, not pyramid scheme. Um, but right. Because pyramid schemes are illegal chance yeah. and I would never do anything right. illegal. Right. Uh, so she had also, <laughs> she mentioned previously that she had uh, done ventures. I think it's like a travel agency. World kinda. ventures. Yeah. Um, yeah. World ventures. It's an MLM travel agency. Mm -hmm. And um, she was telling me about a couple guys that she's friends with who, you know, she, they're very successful. And if you look at them, like they've made it. And I'm like, yeah, but how high up on the totem pole are they or on the hierarchy? And she's pretty high up. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, that's why. Like they're not right. like mid-level. They're, they're up there because they're taking advantage of somebody. Towards the end of our relationship, she uh, invested in something called Mind Body. Are you familiar with that? Mind Body? Body. So she's a she's a therapist, a massage therapist, and she uh, this was pitched to her as like a way to make more money off of her business, where um she could be she could like it's from what I understood it was like life coaching, where in addition to her massage therapy she could sell life coaching packages to people, so they would sign up, and it was like a couple thousand dollars, and then she could she could offer that service in addition, and it was like a um an amount that you commit to and then sessions and that sort of thing to me i thought like when you mentioned like how much you know there's like a 
a threshold of like you shouldn't have to invest this much money into something before it becomes a pyramid scheme. I'm being conservative in saying how much she told me she she sunk into it. And it was at least ten thousand that she sunk into yeah. it before. And um wow. and and she said to me, she's like, Well, they even told me like I'll be it'll be as successful as the amount of work that you put into it. So like I understand that it's gonna be a lot of work. And like in my mind, I I immediately translated that to Okay, so basically they're 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 saying, "Hey, it's all you. We're washing our hands as soon as we get your money." And like, it you know, and anything from this point forward is your responsibility. And it just absolutely, it's, it's weird to me that she would need the certification that she would have to pay that much money for to I don't know to to offer this kind of a service. But yeah, I mean, weird. even those life coaching. I think those are Emma Lemmy scams too. I mean, they're, they're just scams there. I, I, they, they, they hit all the bells and whistles and all the red flags for me. I don't, I don't like those. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like any business in a box or you'll be, you can be an expert after you hit get rich uh, quick submit. Yeah. You know like what get, I mean? Get rich quick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, like anything like that where you're an expert overnight or you're spending thousands of dollars to become Something without any schooling is, mm -hmm. is a big red flag yeah. for me. And that's you like any, you're right. Like, and maybe this, you know, it's just one of those things where being a skeptic, it's, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, you know? Yeah. And, and, and we're accustomed a lot of times of, you don't just like get something handed to you. You got to work for it in most cases and, and, and earn something. It's not just, you know, this, this, there, there aren't many shortcuts in this way that are just going to get you to the top and skip over the processes that everybody else has to go through. But Absolutely. Right. So like, there's so much in that, like, if you want to be successful, then you have to put in the work, you know, you ask anybody that's successful, anybody that has anything that's doing well. And you say, what are you doing? And they're like, what am I not doing? Like I'm doing everything. Yeah, like right. that's why I'm successful. Absolutely. I'm doing so much. Well, and so for me, like, I think it's just, it's so important that we understand what real work looks like. So when this fake work comes in, but paint it all up, looking like real work, you can be like, wait a second. Um, you know, I've owned my own business as a hairstylist in the salon. I've never like had any of my clients tell me like that I don't work hard enough mm -hmm. or, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Right. Like there's just like weird things. Like when you, when you're approached by these scams and like you hear these thought stopping cliches and this loaded language, like pause and think, you know, they love to use target as an example. So I'll use target as, as an example as well. When I shop at target, if I'm unhappy with my purchase at target, I can go into Target and say, hey, I was unhappy with this purchase. And they say, do you have a receipt? You know, you either you do or you don't. You we can get store credit, whatever. It's a very simple process. You might have to stand in a line behind a couple people, but it's very, very quick and easy. Now, if I decide then to take my cash back and I'm going to go to Walmart instead, I don't have people as I'm leaving calling me a bitter hater telling me that I'm a loser because I couldn't find what I liked at Target. Right. And now I have to go somewhere else to find it. And what a loser I am because of that. And I don't have people at Walmart going, oh my God, Target is so lame. Just come shop with us. We're way better. Like 
that doesn't happen anywhere else but in MLM. Mm -hmm. So I think if people can like take the ridiculousness of MLM and apply it to something that they've experienced, you can very quickly see the red flags and be like, oh yeah, okay, this is not normal. Well, and speaking of personality types, like what I was eventually going to get at was her sinking that money into that program. I think that it will end up being something that she's successful with just because it turns out she was one of the most manipulative people that I've ever met. So she would probably (laughs) say that she falls into that category of, you know, somebody who's very selfish and does what's best for her at the expense of everybody else. So she can rationalize this type of work. Absolutely. And that like rationalizes exactly the word, like perfect word. I'm not you have to be able to look at these situations where you're like, okay, I know that if I get somebody to join my team, then if I can get them to spend at least $500, then I get, you know, a $50 bonus. Okay. Well, how many people do I need to get to sign up this month to get my X amount of bonus? Mm -hmm. You, You know, they will reverse engineer what they need to do. I remember being an MLM and having people above me say, oh, well, you need to like write this down so you can see where the holds are. So when people join, you know where to put them. And I'm like, that's not how businesses are run. And you can see very quickly that it's, a pyramid and that everything has to work perfectly. Like you're like we said at the beginning with Robert Fitzpatrick and that statistic that after 15 levels of successful recruiting in this utopian idea of a perfect society within 15 levels of a perfect utopian example, you run out of the population on Mm -hmm. earth. Right. And that's, and that's one company, right? And there's over yeah. 350 MLMs. Yeah. Well, he also, um, he says 90% of, there's a 90% loss rate with gambling and a 97% loss rate with yes, MLMs. Yes, uh, gambling is 95% loss rate. Okay. An actually illegal pyramid, like a blessing loom or a chain letter scam in that way, you're going to have a 90.7% loss but the one that's protected by the government that is touted as the wave of the future, the best thing since sliced bread, the what everybody needs to be doing with these all these ridiculous statistics, the actual statistic for that one is 99.7% loss. Okay, that makes sense. So you have a you have a 9% better chance of making money in an illegal pyramid scheme that the government has shut down than the a, ones the government protects. Or to be a professional gambler. <laughs> yeah, you have a better chance of being a professional gambler right. or not actually chance, not even a professional gambler. Right, you yeah. have a better chance of being an I don't know what the fuck I'm doing gambler <laughs> than joining an MLM. A professional <laughs> gambler probably has a little bit of a better chance than we do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, Chris, you were about to speak up. I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh, I was only going to be a smart ass and say that, um, you know, the 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 only you know, those are the only two types of people that yell at you and tell you that it didn't work because it's your fault and that you're worthless is multi-level marketing and apparently politics recently in our right. country. So, yeah. Yeah. Which goes right back into that cultish loaded language. Well, I see a, I see a lot of, <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. I see a lot of similar personality types. Like you were mentioning, like with any of the get rich quick, kind of the things that fall under that umbrella. Like I've noticed, uh like a lot of white people that i know like really like i think his name is dave ramsey he's like the financial coach and investor yeah yeah. 
like um it's it's always just like a like these very greasy kind of like sales tactics you know that like i feel that i just get a gross feeling from but is it it comes across as you know this is the easy way to do this and and i just don't think that there anything typically just by rule of thumb isn't that easy all the time you know no, and I, and I think that goes back to like what Mark said in Lula Rich about how he feels that Lula Row is a meritocracy, which is just a fancy way of, you know, saying bootstrap culture, which doesn't really work in an MLM because 99% of people have to fail for the 1% to succeed. Uh, so like you know you know what i mean like yeah. how how is it how is it up to me and my own destiny and how hard i work if mathematically only 1% can succeed yeah this? well and i think that i mean i think that we've found ourselves much less in a capitalist society and much more of a, a consumerist corporate kind of society and i think that that's why this might fit in so well into our um our economic model is it you know, it benefits 1% of people while 99% are help, are working for that other 1%. And I don't think that it's Absolutely. any coincidence that, that somebody like Donald Trump, you know, being kind of the epitome of, of a free market capitalist would be a keynote speaker at, at these events. But yeah, he's actually the highest paid MLM spokesperson of all time. Yeah, I, it was like 8 million or something. It's and, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I, I I think ACN paid him at least four million to speak over the course of a few different times at mm -hmm. their conventions to basically convince the people in the audience that this is a good business opportunity because Donald Trump, the greatest businessman in the world, says that it is. <laughs> With you know? tiny hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Totally off topic, but also on topic. Last night while we were trick-or-treating, there was a kid dressed as Donald Trump. And I said, Let me see your tiny hands. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So I feel like no one heard it but me, but I had a very good chuckle at my own joke. <laughs> Would you say that there are any MLMs that are legit and ethical? Uh no, not. As long as you follow the business model of multi-level marketing, you cannot be ethical. Now, I will say that there are MLMs out there that have more ethical products that they sell. And thus, they then get in there with this whole like, well, we're so much better because this and that. Um, you know, and it's like the snake oil salesman is selling organic oil. It's still uh, yeah. snake oil, you know? It's doTERRA it, it doesn't matter. Like you can dress it up any way you want. You can say that it's clean beauty. You can say that you're donating proceeds to the internal charity that you also own and things like that. But, um, you know, when you look at the, the bones, right. We talk about people talk about bones in real estate. You got to look at the bones. You have to see what's happening at the bottom and every single MLM has the same bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're very, very bad. It's not just what's they're on bad the surface. bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like bad bones. One of my biggest questions is, um, I guess, would be, um, why did you stay in LuLaRoe for so long? Yeah, I don't know. Um, control, probably. The fear of leaving, the fear of missing out on things. 
um, gaslighting and love bombing. Um, Is it because a- they controlled a lot of that and they can like, they had that grasp on you emotionally and psychologically. Yeah. You know, if you look at uh, Dr. Stephen Hassan's bite model and you look at his influence continuum, you can really sort of see the way that high demand groups can influence and control you. Mm-hmm. And you would think like, it's probably really big things like telling you who you can and can't talk to and who you can and can't hang out with. Um, but it, it can be as simple as like how much time you get to sleep and how much time you get to relax. And there were things like that, that I didn't realize were happening. Um, when you're in an MLM, you're, you're unindated with information, right? It's like, welcome to your business. There's so much in the back office. There's, there's days worth of, of videos for you to watch and they want you to watch as much as possible. And it's really like, very like, uh, clockwork orange where you're just like, I'm just watching just propaganda over and over and over again about how great this product is and how great these people are and about how wonderful the cruise was. And here's testimony from people that have been in it for 10 years that are so successful. And here's a million dollar earner who's just like you. And they were on food stamps eight years ago, but not. And so you're seeing all of this, right? And all that it's doing is it's, it's creating confirmation bias inside of you. And you're like, oh my God. And then you'll meet these people that you see in these videos, right? So now mm-hmm. it's almost like a celebrity sighting because, oh my God, you're the lady from the video. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's wild. Right. It's really wild. <laughs> um, and, and here's the other thing. Like anybody is susceptible to joining groups like this, like cults, MLMs, like religions, like communes. It doesn't matter. Uh, even like a, a, a culty gym, you're susceptible to joining it. Yeah. Um, you know, and once you're in there, you know, these people become your everyday. Yeah. These people become the people you talk to every single day. You're going to talk to your family too, but mostly you're going to be, it's my job. It's my business. I need to talk to the people on my team. Let's figure out what's going on. You're going in all these meetings and you're being con- compartmentalized. You feel like you belong. They, they give you personality tests that you think are going to help you with your leadership, but really it's just ways to manipulate you more efficiently. Oh, well, Roberta's a blue. That means she cares about her family and, and, and what other people think. So let's manipulate her to be like, wow, I know you spend so much time with your family and that's so great. And you spend so much, we just want to give you something wonderful for you. You know, so they, they learn how to <laughs> manipulate you to the point where it's, it's almost customizable. Like how to push your button. And so anytime that I felt like I wanted to leave and I would ask questions, like I was given a cruise, I was given a bobble, I was given a watch, I was invited to an event. Oh, do you want to come to Disneyland? Oh, did you? Oh, it's like super exclusive, but I have like one extra ticket. Did you want to come? Oh my God. Yes, please. What? I'll do anything for that extra ticket. It's the last one. It's not the last one. It's never right. the last one, but they'll tell you that. So there were just so many things that just... It, it hooked me in. And then once you're in and you feel like you have people that depend on you and you depend on others, you then have this like sort of like we talk about morality again, you have a moral responsibility for these people. And I was like, I can't leave these people. They depend on me. So right. then I'm stuck in a couple more months because I want to help these women that I feel like whoever gets, they get thrown underneath, isn't going to care about them the way I care about them. And anytime I had questions, I was given another trinket and it really wasn't until I just, I couldn't, it was, it was my confirmation. It was like, 
it really was, it was my cognitive dissonance and I couldn't ignore it any longer. Yeah. What was your I'm favorite? Kind of reminds me of organized religion in a lot of aspects and how they, they use a lot of those tactics as well yeah. to, you know, pull you in, suck you in, say, you know, and just keep you there, keep you happy. And as long as you're happy, you're going to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, I look back and I, I, I try not to delete the old Facebook posts because I like to use them as educational mm, fodder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call it MLM cringe or Lula cringe or whatever. And I make fun of myself and I, and I point out the obvious stuff and I say, I can't believe I'm wearing this. And a couple people, you know, they like it, they get a good laugh, but for me, it's very educational. One, I am admitting defeat. I am admitting that I got sucked in, that I'm just like you and I got sucked in too. And it's okay. Um, and it's, it, it happens to so many people and the, the stigmatization, the stigmatization of like MLMs are bad and you're a dumbass for getting sucked into them. Like it needs to end because all that does is it creates victims who are afraid to speak out. Yeah. Right. If, if we look at this and the victim and the victims of this as any other social justice movement that has victims, and I don't ever want to compare it to other things because I don't want people to be like, Roberta compared MLMs to this. And it's not like that. Everything has its own nuances for sure. Definitely. But in terms of abuse, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, and if we continue to silence victims, the education will never get out. And it will continue to happen and we will continue to make excuses for it instead of looking at the hard facts, looking at the hard numbers. Numbers don't lie. They're glaring you in the face. Your cognitive dissonance is raging and you're like, but I'm helping people. And I'm like, but are you? Because look at the numbers. You're not actually helping people. No, but they told me I'm helping people. And I'm like, and I'm telling you, you're not helping people. And I think it's really hard it's really hard to, to admit that you were a part of something like this, but I think it's also so important to speak out and to share those photos and to be like, yes, I did this. I, you know, it's anybody can get sucked in because the longer we keep victims in the dark and we shame victims, the more this will happen. Yeah. It will never end. The only way to end this, I've talked to Robert Fitzpatrick. I've talked to Stephen Hasen. I've talked to um, Doug Brooks. I've talked to so many people. Unfortunately, not John Taylor. He passed away. But all of these people who were the pioneers of this movement 30, 40 years ago, and every single one of them tells me, it is so deeply woven into the fabric of the United States and the American dream that there's one way to end this. And that's education. Yeah, absolutely. That's showing people that this is happening, showing people examples with real people like you and I, mm-hmm. who we can fall for this. We can get sucked into this. You're, it's your neighbor. It's your aunt. It's your cousin. It's your friend. It's not some crazy culty figurehead. It's your next door neighbor that's getting sucked into these things that are being financially and emotionally devastated by these companies that are touted as the wave of the future. And it's really important that, that we listen to them when they say I had a bad experience because 99.7% of them lost money, whether or not they're, whether or not they're ready to talk about it. 
And I see, I saw this a lot when Lula Rich came out because there were so many retailers that came out with their blaring, glaring cognitive dissonance saying, well, this wasn't my experience. Um, yeah, I did get some moldy stuff and yeah, the prints were ugly and yeah, it was kind of drama, but like Mark and Deanne, um, like they like changed my life. I'm like, why? Because they sold you leggings that you then sold like anybody you could have done that with aliexpress you can go buy leggings from china right now and sell them like you don't need to give mm-hmm. the credit of you deciding to start a business and learn something to these cult leaders yeah like they're not the reason you had success if you did have success it's 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 just wild to me that these people will still continue to defend these people after a documentary came out exposing the truth. Well, like it's Amazon doesn't new. just go, we're going to make this money and see if it works out. Yeah. Or we're just going to make this documentary and see if it's true. Like we had to prove all the things we said. Like it's wild to me that the cognitive dissonance of people <clears throat> that are still denying this and still defending Mark and Deanne and their behavior. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still a relatively new documentary so i think it's i i certainly think it'll do some good but i think it's really i hope hope so yeah and then that was like the whole thing right like your whole question was like what i think that this documentary will do for the anti-mlm movement and and mlm in general and and honestly like like i said education it's going to open people's eyes it opens people's eyes it makes people go oh wait a second i think i was in one of these and then all of a sudden they're looking at it because we have shattered that bubble and they're looking at it from a different perspective and they're able to go, you know, this happened to me too. Wow. I did. I sort of forgot about that. And um, I've seen in the last four years, a lot of things happen. And I will say in the last six months or so, it's gained speed exponentially. Good. So I, I, I really hope that it just helps keep pushing the education forward, opening people's eyes. I know that there's more anti-MLM documentaries and docuseries coming out for other LuLaRoe, but also other MLMs as well. So I just hope it just, it just keeps gaining speed and and getting bigger and bigger. Well, I think that you're definitely a a huge factor in that. And so I I hope that you keep up (laughs) the the good work that you're doing. It was reluctant. It really was like, there, there's a huge group of us that have been doing this for years. And when the media started knocking, um, we all were like, well, who's going to talk to the media? And I feel like we were all standing in a line and everybody took a step backward and they're like, oh, look, Roberta stepped forward. I'm like, what? Um, and so um, I sort of reluctantly became the face of it. And now I've got a, a Vice documentary and an Amazon documentary. So thanks. Chris, uh, Chris had mentioned like preying on vulnerability and this just came to mind. I wish I would have brought it up earlier, but it was just something I remembered um, when I was like 20 and broke and unemployed. I remember I was looking through the classifieds for different jobs to apply for. And it, it the classified ad said something along the lines of like, for a great business opportunity, show it up at this address tomorrow or call this number or something. So I called it and then they give you the, she gave me the address and she's like, be sure you're, you know, you're looking sharp, you're looking good and and be there at, you know, five o'clock or whatever. And I get there and it's like in this dank, like abandoned office that some, that they'd rented it out, rented out for the day or something. And it's just a waiting room full of people who look like they're probably down on their luck. Like I was, they, you know, everybody was trying to look their best. 
But uh, I remember the person before me went into an office where they were interviewing people out, outside of the waiting room. And as soon as they opened the door, I heard him say, oh, hello, oh my God, you look so amazing. Come in and sit mm-hmm. down. And then, our, and then I, when it was my turn, it was the same thing. Oh my God, you look so amazing. You look great. Sit down. And they were talking to me about, <laughs> they didn't even tell me what we were, what the job was, like what any of it was. She was just asking, so what do you do? Oh, you know, I was in the military. Oh my God, we love people in the military. And like, I feel like I could have just taken a dump on their desk and they would have been like, I love people who take dumps on desks. You are so amazing. <laughs> was it Cat <laughs> I have no idea what it was. I, no, no, no. I, I did that. When I was like, when I was like 17. Like an interview yeah. that I went to with Cutco Knives before. Okay. I never actually yeah. ended up selling them, but yes, no. It oh, you have those, Roberta. Like Absolutely. Yeah. And before before you started talking about the love bombing, I wasn't sure if you were talking about an MLM recruitment meeting or you were telling me the plot of Squid Game. I wasn't <laughs> really sure. Who knows? <laughs> but then is when I left, like I left completely like dumb. I don't know. What is this? Like what? what? They dumped you off on the side <laughs> yeah. of the road naked. And, um, <laughs> like, and then the next person goes in behind me and then I hear, oh, my God, you look so amazing. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I knew it was skeevy and. I was like, yeah, probably not. Absolutely. Probably not absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about that, right? It's all about love bombing. Um, it's, it probably was vector marketing. It was either vector marketing or smart circle. Okay. It was either of the two, um, which are two MLMs that, that um, are like salesmen. So like vector sells Cutco in like Costco and then Smart Circle also has stuff in Costco, but they have things in like Sam's Club and Walmarts and Targets where you might hear something over the, <clears throat> you might hear something over the like the PA system that's like right. everybody in five minutes there's going to be a presentation in the produce you section get a free and you can get a free gift for watching like those are all MLMs okay. in fact we talk about the that type of MLM um, in an episode on the podcast that you will eventually get okay. to um, but we do, we do talk about that uh, they're everywhere you guys they're everywhere it's, and yeah. they'll get you if they can. And actually, I remember years ago, I was at every year in Denver, they, they have a big, it's called the Western Stock Show. And it's like a big trade show kind of thing. And th- it was exactly that. There was a guy presenting knives or whatever. And I was standing there just kind of like, oh, like out of curiosity, what is this? And then I started walking away and he stops. He's like, hey, you, I wouldn't walk away when you're talking, would I? Like this, like, oh my God. totally put a spotlight <laughs> on me in front of everybody, like. Yeah, this is kind of weird, but um, I mean, it's so like sideshow Barker meets door to door salesman meets like snake oil manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sleazy. It's it's just it's all the creepy, cringy um, pieces of Americana from like 1920 to now, like all rolled up together in this like amalgamation of like scammer. That's how I feel. Like I see it everywhere now and I can't unsee it. And and that's just what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It just feels like every day the scammers just get more um, sophisticated. Roberta, I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for doing the documentary and for speaking out. Like you were saying, um, yeah, if, people, if people feel ashamed about it, uh, they're not going to come out and talk about it. And, what what is necessary is education and is 
that just that knowledge that there are other people out there and they don't need to feel bad because we've all been hooked in uh, by some such thing in some manner uh, at some time in our lives. Right. So thank you. Thank you for taking your time to come on and talk with us. Yeah, yeah and- absolutely. You know, if I can help save one or two people by teaching them what the red flags look like so they don't fall prey to it, like awesome, you know. I, I would love to live in an MLM-free world one day. <laughs> well, like I said, I think that you're doing the work of angels, so just keep it up. Um, where can we find find you and your social media and anything else that you're working on? Okay, well, I'm everywhere. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, if you TikTok, uh, I'm on TikTok. We have a lot of fun. We do education and, and ridiculousness over there. Um, I'm Berta Like Woe, and if that's blocked and banned, I'm Berta Like Woe 2.0. I do get banned on TikTok a lot. <laughs> um, I, apparently, I'm a bully over there. Um, they like to take me down. Um, also, I'm on Twitter at Berta Like Whoa, and you can find me on Instagram at the Real Roberta Blevins, um, and you can find the podcast at Life After MLM Podcast on Instagram, um, and also wherever you listen to podcasts is called Life After MLM. And uh, I would love to have you. I would love to have you come and maybe learn something. And if you have an MLM story, I would love to hear it too. So you can hit me up at the real Roberta Blevins at gmail.com as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Roberta. This has been so great. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Yeah, um, I love to, I love to do podcasts that aren't necessarily like on my radar or my listeners radar, because I think MLM sort of fits into like any Venn diagram mm-hmm. you can talk about. Yeah. And um I love like the cross contamination yeah. of shows that maybe we wouldn't, you know, there's probably a ton of people that when I share this that are like, what? That's awesome. I want to listen to punk journalism and like you'll get new well, thanks. listeners. Well maybe that I too, hope you know? that they tell five people and they tell five people. Yeah. Oh they have to maybe do is tell you, five people. Roberta, you'll you'll get you'll get chances five. And yeah, my, and I just two. hit. Okay. I just hit 250 followers. Or 250,000. 250, that's Holy way cow. better than 250. Oh, 250,000 yeah. followers on TikTok today. Oh, so TikTok. I will tell my 250,000 followers. Oh, man, please, when that'd this be great. Up. That'd be so cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. Great. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, if you guys again. ever have any questions about MLM or scams or anything, or if you guys ever want to be on my show because you have an MLM experience, um. I'd love to have any of you guys. I, I love, I love um, interviewing podcast hosts, especially once I've been on their podcast because it's fun. Sure, it is a lot so, of fun. Yeah, yep. Lula- if any of you guys are interested, I even if you just have like horror stories, like your girlfriend, <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those are great to hear yeah. too. We have um, there's a story coming up that you haven't heard yet, but it was last month. Uh, October was like a month of horror stories, MLM horror stories. And there's one about a guy who was a kid when his dad sold Herbalife and went really deep down the hole. And it's like the aftermath and the after effects of like what happens to your children and like where this guy is mentally now as an adult because of the food poverty that he lived in because his dad like went all in with Herbalife. So it's really, it's just, it, the topic is just so expansive and I didn't even realize how expansive it was going to be until like I got in there and started telling these stories and people are like, Hey, I'm not sure if you want to know, but like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Yes. Like it's, it's wild. And then even like getting to be on other podcasts and like meet people and 
it's just been a really cool experience. And I, obviously I do have a movie, so that's probably why most of this stuff's happening to me right now. But, um, you know, hard work and determination yeah. and just talking about something people care about, I think is probably the, the most, the most uh, important thing. Sure. Chance, did you hear that? In order for us to get more followers, we just got to do a movie. So you just got to do a movie. And it's I mean, just got to do, do it. Movie. It was so easy. Like I'd they say, called I, me. You know well, what I mean? Know, they were I've, like, "Do you want to do this movie?" And I'm like, "I guess." I've done movies. You know? Yeah, I just so don't. Easy. I have. So, I've done. <laughs> all you have to do sell your soul to the <laughs> devil, and then come out against the devil, and eventually someone will be like, "Hey, I heard you know the devil." <laughs> I was saying that I've done movies, but we just we don't talk about that. Not oh. wrong kind of oh, you did well uh, you no well what you do on your only fans is between you and your fans <laughs> and your fans they yeah. actually banned that is only fans not around anymore uh they banned um all of the inappropriate things they're back on, to ceiling fans. fans only is that why all of the huns are back on tiktok selling keto uh-huh I was no like, shit. what happened? Hey, that's something yeah. I was going to ask you when you say, so like you, you mentioned Huns a lot. Is that like, Hey hun, is that what like, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, yes. Um, I have my own she doesn't mean the Hungarian. vernacular that I use uh, because it makes it's, it's, it's anti MLM shorthand. So I use hun, which is anybody that's currently in an MLM and selling because they use you know, the colloquialism, like, hey, hon, when they start their, their messages. And then um, I consider myself an ex-hun because I am no longer a hun. No. So I'll use the hashtag ex-hun. Um, that's that's kind of fun. I, I always tell people, like, this is the place, like, if you're an ex-hun, like, we welcome you here. Um, and then we've got, like, a mega-hun, which is going to be, like, your ex, who's, like, the top of the pyramid, knows exactly what they're doing, is the kind of person that could manipulate to save their life literally um yeah. that's going to be the mega hun i think she's and on then, her way there um, and then a, a man that's a hun is a hun bro <laughs> hun bro and then a, uh and then a, anybody that's a hun that's very like copy paste robotic by the script like send you copy paste and forgets to like put your name where it says put their <laughs> name here like that's a hun bot Okay. And so that's okay. somebody who's just very robotic about like what they're doing. And like, okay. they told me to message 10 people a day. So I'm messaging 10 people a day kind of person. And that's okay. on my butt. Interesting. But we just, we come up with these words all the I like time. It. And uh, I know I'm enjoying the hell out of your, and like, uh, I didn't know. It's fun, right? I didn't know that it, <laughs> like, I always knew it was scammy, but I didn't know it was this toxic. It's so scammy. And uh, it's, it's, there's some of the, some of the interviews that I have coming up this whole month is like cult stuff. So we've got like Amanda Montel that wrote cultish is coming. And I talked to Steven Hassan um, and I've got my interview with him. I might put up and just, just really cool stuff to like explain that these are cults. Cause that's so important to me that these are cults and working with the, I got out foundation um, is so important as well. And then Sarah Edmondson, who was in Nexium and got branded I don't know if you guys know about Nexium. But oh, she's, I watched that. She's coming on the podcast as well. I did their oh, podcast. It came out today. That's crazy. Yeah, Sarah Edmondson. She's amazing. Um, my episode of A Little Bit Culty came out today to 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 kick off Cult MLM Month, and then I will probably end it the month with her interview at the end of November. See, that's so, the build. Yeah, up. yeah, the build up. The that's build, yeah, right? that's, yeah, that's. I remember watching that documentary. Like, oh my gosh! Like, they really put their initials on these 
women did. Wow. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, oh, and, and, wow. and it's not even a branding, right? It's not like a brand that they just went, Psst. like yeah. they, they like wrote it in like a Sharpie and then they had a doctor with like a cauterizing iron oh. draw it into their skin. Oh, yep. Like, Jeez. it's not just a brand. It's like fully like, right. Like, it's horrible. I started Oof. crying reading her book and I had to set it down. I was like, I'm sorry. She's Jeez. like, it's okay. Go back to it. I'm like, this I, yeah, is I don't on know Amazon? if I can read this, girl. Like, this is really tough. Where do I find this? Um, this is on Amazon? Her book mm-hmm. is called Scarred. Okay. And you can get it on an Amazon. But the, the documentary that right. Sarah did is called The Vow and it's on HBO. Yeah, the the Vow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And it is. It's an HBO. What was that? Wasn't it on Netflix at one point too? Uh, sure I think there was a Nexium thing on Netflix, but I'm not sure if it was the same oh. documentary. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to watch the I, other one. there's another documentary out there about it as well. So. Yeah, and she's so like she's just the nicest, most wonderful. That's the other thing is like there were so many people that I reached out to before the movie came out to be like, "Do you want to be on my little podcast?" And like now they're all getting back to me. They're like, <laughs> I, "I saw your movie and I noticed you emailed me <laughs> eight months ago." <laughs> I'll just wait here until you're ready. Well, for thanks me. for being and so cool. Like uh, we had we had. Uh, contacted each other because i had tweeted i think tweeted that uh, i just re- watched lula rich and you were like oh yeah thanks for the support or something i always so. i'm very like i'm very up on up uh, on the up and up with the social media when people like tag me or like things like pop up that i'm involved in just because i want to be available to people who have questions i hate misinformation <laughs> so i'm like that's wrong talk to me i know the answer um, and so, yeah, you, you said that you saw it and I was, I checked you out and I was like, oh, cool. This guy looks cool. And I think I followed you. And then like the next day you emailed me and I was like, wait a second. I just looked at this account nice. yesterday. Like cool. it was wild. So, well, that's flattering. It was cool. I, I love it. I love it. So I'm, well, I'm very approachable. And if you guys ever need anything or you ever do another pyramid scheme or anything episode and you just need some commentary, like just definitely. reach out to me. I'm always down to support other podcasters yeah Lula and again Rowe. if you have questions about podcasting yeah absolutely um, i'm sure. literally learning as i go likewise. so i might not be the best person to ask but yeah I yeah <laughs> likewise Lula, Lula Rowe head to toe you heard it here first yeah Lula Lula head to toe. Yep. <laughs> all right well thank you again absolutely. Roberta. that was so much fun yes thank you so much right. you guys are amazing you too bye-bye thank you so yep. much for all your information Yeah, no problem. Again, if you have any questions, just hit me up.